All right, and we are live. I am Joseph Chandler, the new co-host of Odd Fish. <laughs> I am 21. I'm a fellow architecture student with Pranav and Rish. And I was just like, when I got the text, I was so glad to hear that I would be part of the team <laughs> for every episode. So thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this journey and building upon this great podcast. Dude, I, I really hope <laughs> that, that I definitely Nick Fury got to. that message from all the other Avengers, bro. I'm, I'm so glad you added me to the team. Yeah. Uh, Joe, it is great to have you here. We are excited to have Joe on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of shit has gone down, guys. I, am I, I allowed to curse? Facts. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah. Six times, six times total. Trump I mean, has my Trump mom has the Rona. This, so oh, Trump has the Rona, guys. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I think Rona has Trump. <laughs> Rona has Trump right now too. Yeah. <laughs> oh but my gosh, there is a lot of shit going on, but I feel like there's a bigger issue at hand. Yeah, something's I mean, lurking. Something is something, lurking. something that would make Corona seem like just a side mission. You know. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, when I was asked what I wanted to talk about for this episode, I want to talk about climate change because I think it's very important for us to start having conversations about that. Damn right. Nothing but He's facts. Right. And, uh, and like you were saying, dude, COVID and Donald Trump uh, may, seem, may seem like the biggest thing in the world right now, but 30 years from now... When all the rich people leave in their Tesla rocket ships, <laughs> no one's going to be talking about Exactly. We have bigger fish to fry, and we are the fish that will be frying. <laughs> well Perfect, said. bro. With that being said, let's get into this episode. Oh. Oh cue, the, cue the intro music. folks welcome back to another episode of odd fish as you can tell already that we have a third person in the room well, not really in the room in the zoom, in the <laughs> zoom. <laughs> i'm the three. highest in the zoom <laughs> <laughs> my goodness uh welcoming joseph chandler to the Oddfish podcast joe we're so glad to have you so i am so glad to be here i've been like Ever since this podcast started, I have like I've been waiting to get called up like like a minor leaguer, and I am <laughs> I'm ready I'm ready to talk, bro. So 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 glad to. I'm finally a huge fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan, not only of y'all too, but not only of Pranav's music, but of Oddfish. See, bro, I listen to at least four episodes. <laughs> So. <laughs> see when we talk about we only got four listeners this is one of them, every time. One so of them. this is all four of them <laughs> <laughs> so that being said you want to talk about climate change today and that's a good topic definitely needs some talking about um and so we wanted to start the episode off with some of the biggest contributors towards climate change so what what do you think those are and and maybe why well um i think First of all, I mean, climate change is 
such a huge topic. And the, the biggest issue is, is humans. Uh, we've Facts. completely taken over the world. Uh, an interesting statistic is that of the total mass of mammals on the planet, humans make up 97%. We're mammals. So, of mammals. <laughs> yeah, we're mammals. <laughs> well, you and I are fish and, and Joe for this. They're, right. Yeah, they're the all fish. Them are mammals. <laughs> but I, I think, I think just, just based off that, you get some sort of perspective of how much we've taken over the landscape of the planet. And the biggest contributors are almost everything associated with modern industrialized life. So transportation, energy, buildings, agriculture. Um, and it's, and it's adding up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Nothing but facts. And, um, and it's not like humans are the only source of climate change, right? Because things like the planet has been heating up for billions and billions of years, but like, obviously the, the rapid uh, spike increases due to the growth of human populations. So like, as, as much as you can make the case for it not being uh, entirely human-centric, the, the evidence is stacked against you. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and yeah. there's also no other species that we can put the blame on. Like, it's not like whales are causing <laughs> more global warming than we are, or like climate change. So, I mean, there there's a ton of people. Climate change is just such a huge and scary issue that people will will point to things, point to evidence that that the earth has been in cycles of warming and cooling. And it, while that is valid, the rate of warming has become exponential. And exactly. if you ask 99% of climate scientists, they will tell you that human activity is causing climate change. And it, people will, if you say, hey, this, we're, we're having all these fires because of climate change, Donald Trump will say, well, you need to rake the leaves, you need better forest management, but until we can confront the facts, we, we can't deal with that. I mean, you, you, can, say, you can say that um, maybe one fire isn't caused by climate change, but if you have four of the biggest fire seasons in the last five years, if, if in Houston, where I'm from, you have three 500-year floods within the span of two years, that that points to some concerning trends. Mm -hmm. That's facts. Yeah, and I think. Sorry, I didn't. I don't know and if I'm saying I, just just as a disclaimer, I'm just a concerned architecture student. I'm not a climate. <laughs> I was going to say I'm not a climate scientist. I, I, I'm just taking. I'm just taking what I've researched here. So. See, I was going to address that at the very beginning because you know we, we do this thing. I know you probably haven't listened to all of our amazing, amazing episodes, <laughs> but we we tend to do this thing where. We tell people because no matter what episode we're talking about, no matter what topic um, we are embarking on, we generally tell people like we're not qualified to talk about it. Except for the Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think this is an issue that we're all qualified to talk about. Exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. We're all affected think, by it, right? Right. We're all affected we're, by it. We're all we all should be knowledgeable by it and about it. And um, and I, how, I wanted to. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I mean, climate change is an issue that's already here. How? Like, how have you guys been affected by it? That's a, that's a good question. 
I think I've been affected. This is going to sound wrong. This is going to sound very wrong. Uh oh. But I've been affected positively by it. Okay, dude, we're getting negatively. Canceled. We are so getting canceled. <laughs> but because, you know, I've been affected positively because, not because of the effects of global warming and climate change and literally how it's making the world hotter, but more by the awareness that people are bringing to it and the amount of attention that people are giving is sort of forcing me to also become become knowledgeable about it, take actions towards doing my part in it, and like really just get involved in the whole fight against global warming and climate change. Rish, that is a literally a hot take. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well played, well played. I, I was just like trying to ask y'all first because right now my my dad and my grandpa have both had to evacuate from from forest fires. So For it real. is yeah. Yeah, it is getting real in California and Colorado right now. Yeah, yeah. And best what's wishes cr- to them. Yeah, I got I got family in California that's also like sure, experiencing yep. stuff like that. Yeah. What's what's crazy is that it's we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. This is just that's fast. this is the warm up. This is what one in like one point two degrees Celsius looks like. He's really pulling out all the puns here. It's yeah. the warm up. I, it's the warm up. <laughs> oh, I, that one was definitely that one was definitely unconscious. Yeah, but, and I know you said you also wanted to talk about like what you think four degrees Celsius warmer might look like. Oh man, yeah. So we um, we agreed to the Paris Accords, which was an international goal, non-binding, of two degrees Celsius. Non-binding, bro. <laughs> yeah, and we we as in the previous presidency and Mm -hmm. people in the past yeah we as the international community agreed to two degrees (laughs) celsius and what's scary is when you think of two degrees celsius that we don't even know what that looks like um that means over five feet of sea level rise for for most island nations that's complete knockout we don't know what that will do to everything from agriculture to heat waves to massive migration we don't know what that looks like and we failed every single one of those goals so the best case scenario is keeps on moving north of two degrees and i this is something i've learned about i read this book called um the uninhabitable earth by david wallace wells which i would recommend anyone concerned about climate change reads because sure. we'll, we'll link it to the pod bro don't even worry oh, yeah. yeah it it basically spells out what what a four degree warmer world looks like and it's not any world anyone wants to live in it's very scary so i, I guess it, sort of on what you were saying rish like it's i don't believe in hopelessness and it's not too late we we're already seeing the effects, but we're not, it's not too late to offset the worst effects. But if we want to see two degrees Celsius of warming, we have to go carbon neutral by 2040. So absolutely. Um, Do you uh, think that's like a realistic goal? It's I, who's to say what's realistic. I mean, we, we craft our own realities, but we're not in charge right now. So, and yeah, our, our reality is literally changing every day. So who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of ways we can do a lot better. It, I, but. I think, I think it's tough though, to at least, um, from, from the layman's point of view, just a t- statistical, um, perspective of two degrees Celsius hotter or four degrees Celsius hotter. I think that's such an interesting concept to bring up to people who are knowledgeable about it and scientists and things who have done the research, 
But when you bring that out to the layman's table and you sort of present that as information, I think it can be really, really hard for them to wrap their head around or even envision a future where that has direct impacts on the way they live and the way their, you know, their life becomes. That's, I mean, that's absolutely the case. And when we, when I talked about climate change and when I would hear about it, the most I could envision is more rain, uh, more hurricanes and, and, uh, higher sea level, but it goes far beyond that to everything from agriculture uh, to uh, dry spells and just just the global ramifications. I mean, we are not designed for a four degrees Celsius warmer planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the worst part about it is that it's going to affect everyone proportionally differently. You know what I'm saying? And the people who are going to get the worst of it are not even the ones that are like the major contributors of climate change, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, um, when you, when you look at, uh, the migrants from Central America, um, from Honduras, they're, they're leaving not only because of like corrupt states and gang problems, they're leaving because there's been a historic drought and agriculture there has been ruined and that's been caused by climate change. Mm-hmm. These are like, these are climate refugees and that problem is just going to get worse. I agree. E- even, even in Syria. Yeah, that that's exactly in developing countries like that. And I just watched a documentary also that was talking about the same kind of thing where like when you're talking about disproportionately affecting uh, smaller countries, islands, things like that. And like you were saying, Joe, with the rise of sea levels and things like that, islands are literally going to disappear. And so this this documentary was basically talking about how I think it was um, the island called Tavalu or something like that, where there's a lot of plastic buildup that that ends up on their island, but they're they're not the one causing it. They're not the one buying right. all these like items that end up in this in the in the ocean. And so they've over the last 20 years, they've had such a large buildup of plastic. And now they're basically like landlocked by plastic. And yeah. that's such a hard concept to fathom. Like you can obviously see it in the documentaries, but to experience that as someone who lives on the island and has to live through the plastic and basically they're getting all kinds of diseases. They don't, they don't get access from the same kind of ships and boats and things like that. Their water is not clean anymore. The, the yeah. effects are so drastic to people and in different positions of life and it's not even something we can comprehend so for something that corporations have to comprehend and deal with is three million times above us yeah i mean it it, the entire world i maybe not quite as much for us but for our kids and grandkids is going to look so different Mm -hmm. our guppies and our fish our our guppies bro (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's funny um but you know, for those of us living in uh, America with all of our first world problems and whatnot, um, climate change does impact our like our view of pop culture a lot. Um, just our like, you know, our limited scope of things through um, through just like sci-fi concepts and films and things like that. Um, is there is there any way that you guys have felt like that's uh, that's that's, well, I guess, happened to you. Some you. Can I mean, say. I mean, sure, something I just wanted to mention is that when you discuss climate change, you, like today was a beautiful day. <laughs> I went on a walk. It was like <laughs> it was seventy-eight degrees. Um, it, it's a beautiful time of year in Austin right now. 
And it's really, I mean, it's really hard to fathom and visualize some of this stuff, but you have to realize it's, it's going to happen like cities like Bangkok and Mumbai um, and even Miami, uh, you won't be able to live in them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just because you don't see the effects doesn't mean they're not there. Right. Yeah. And, and they, they will be there if we don't, if we don't do anything. I mean, Miami probably, even if we do do everything won't be yeah. there. Yeah. Um, just cause it's basically built, like it's built on sand that they brought in. It's all going to flood. Um, I know a thing or two about flooding being from Houston, but <laughs> I, pop culture, I, I think there's just a whole range of unexplored stories that yeah, uh, climate change brings up. I mean, it's, it's people, we like envisioning far off apocalypse scenarios like, like aliens and, yeah, uh, and meteors. Zombies. The, the reality is much more boring and it's, it's, much, more, it's much more difficult to portray. But I think, I think in the coming years, we'll, we'll see... It, we'll see more movies about that. A good, a good movie. I don't know if it's climate change related, uh, but Contagion. I don't know if you've seen that. Contagion. We were like just we about, about to watch, to watch that. Yeah. Oh, you, have you not seen it? No. no. Okay, I won't talk about Contagion, but I mean, <laughs> there. It's it's kind of scary to watch just because it's Corona right now. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's another thing to mention is is climate change will cause more pandemics. Mm-hmm. wait what makes you what makes you say that like how do you how do you link the two so how do you know? how, do, how do i know well there's <laughs> there's there's a certain number of factors of course this is all from uh david wallace wells the author of the uninhabitable Damn, we should have gotten him on the episode Why I, know, you? <laughs> I, know. I know that's uh, i'm just like secondhand I'm david wallace chandler um basically you didn't hear about you didn't hear about zika or west nile in the united states until right. recently uh it it's the is is the more we encroach on the natural environment the more it will push back um that bad in wuhan i don't know it could have someone could have knocked over a tree i don't know you'll have to watch contagion to, <laughs> you have to watch contagion to to see but there, there's also and tons of disease homework and everything <laughs> you, you guys are going to love that um <laughs> it's a really good movie um but there's tons of diseases trapped under the ice uh under the permafrost like black plague they found it in under the ice and as the earth gets warmer more diseases will spread mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense um while we while we didn't watch contagion we did uh we did Almost watch another very important movie for global warming. That's Wally. Well, <laughs> oh man, yeah. I I remember watching that in theaters, and and I was like, I was like, we we gotta be, we gotta be environmental activists. And then I just <laughs> went about my life Later, and bro, yeah, went on a bunch of flights, and now I'm here, <laughs> and I'm 21 years old, and the world has not gotten any better. Yeah, yeah, we're still on Wally trajectory. <laughs> yeah, I well, mean, even- like. Even examples like Wall-E or, or, you know, like Alien and sci-fi movies like you're saying, they do this very, very interesting thing, which is taking the very depressive and like boring future that we're going to have ahead of us if we don't change anything and turning that into like a semi-fun, semi-cool world in the future. Like trying to put a spin on it where people are actually 
engaged and like want to listen to that shit. Otherwise, it's just documentaries after documentaries of depressive statistics and like a depressing future where people are like, oh man, we're going to die. It's inevitable. Yeah, you, you have to listen to David Attenborough tell you yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's tough. So it's, it's either that you, you listen to David Attenborough tell, tell you we're going to die or it's Wally telling you we're going to die. Yeah, so, cartoon yeah. robot with cute <laughs> eyes. And I'll, I'll take that one any day, bro. <laughs> but I mean, I guess I, I, we're all architecture students. Where, where do you think we fit in? Oh, do you want to answer first or do you want me to? I mean, if you got something to say, go for it. Okay, so I think um, personally... I think architects uh, should play a more important role, not only as activists, but also as like, I don't want to say experts, but definitely like people who like know what they're doing and are able to like communicate that idea to the clients. Cause at the end of the day, like the reason that we provide a service that an engineer can't, or like an acoustician or anything like that can't provide is because architects are the ones that are synthesizing all the problems into one solution, right? Like an engineer will only look at a problem from an engineer's perspective. An urban planner will look at this problem from the urban planner's perspective, but architects uh, get paid the, uh, I don't want to say the big bucks, but the like (laughs) slightly below medium bucks (laughs) because we're able to look at things from every angle. And we should be like taking that like knowledge that we kind of like should be educating ourselves about climate change and about what we can do as architects to minimize those effects and applying them to like all disciplines in the process of creating a building and kind of like pitching that to our clients or informing our clients. And that I think is a role of the architect in all this. Well said. I I think architects need to advocate for, for better codes. Cause when, when I talk to professors about sustainability all, all, all here is energy use, you know, oh, this building's super, this building's super efficient. It doesn't use, it's like, it doesn't use any energy. It's and certified. <laughs> what about like, what about all the concrete and the steel that went into it? That, oh, absolutely. That, that embodied energy of burning the lime and forging the steel that, that will, that's released as carbon and that will never go away. Absolutely. So I think we like, and urban design is a huge factor in this too, but For sure. I think is we, we, as architects, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of stuck to, to this equation where we're the best thing we can do for our clients is, is build a build, building as cheaply and with the best margins as possible. And the way we can pitch it as sustainable is saying, Hey, you'll save uh, like thousands of dollars every year on, on your electrical bill. On your operational energy costs, right? Yeah. Um, but we didn't, I mean, we can build our buildings out of, out of wood and out of much, like, much less uh, destructive products, and we don't. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I, I, I just think from architecture school that, like, we have this sense of, we have this sense of hubris and, and patting ourselves <laughs> on the back and packaging things is sustainable. Yeah, just absolutely. Because it, just because it has a green roof, but absolutely. I think, I think just like more than building new stuff, we need to retrofit our old buildings to, to have them waste more energy I, I, or waste less energy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now we're really about to get canceled. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> 
and we need we need to adv- we need to advocate for for the built environment i mean it, just buildings go into something like 40% of energy use yeah absolutely absolutely and i think it's also important to identify that much like all of the social issues and political issues that we're going through and, and just issues in general whatever steps we're taking right now like you're saying a green roof or a white roof or a solar panel roof i think all of those are great not saying that they're not great those are all good steps baby steps in the right direction but like you're saying there's always more work to do you can always make a bigger impact and that's that's our role to advocate for those that that's true and i don't i one thing i don't like is or not that i don't like it i think it's a bit of a red herring i i think this idea that i mean we can all we can all do better and I'm trying to do better. Um, but the idea that the onus is on the individual when there's so oh, more, so many more things that, that can be done on a state and a corporate level mm-hmm. to combat climate change. Um, the, the idea of a, of a personal carbon footprint was actually created by oil companies. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, huh? Yeah. A little bit of a hypocrite. Um, and I mean, there's things we can do. We can, we can eat like less red meat. We can go, we can go on less flights. We can drive an electric car and not drive at all. There's things we can do on an individual level, but I think what we really need moving forward is leadership that first of all, acknowledges the issue and uh yeah tomorrow's the last day to register to vote so make sure you go do that please if you haven't done it already make sure you go do that but there's we subsidize fossil fuels three trillion dollars a year right it it's not it's not just a gross waste of money it's bad business to be honest i feel like the the amount of work you're doing mitigating your carbon footprint as an individual I feel like that has more to do with spreading awareness and it's more about the principle than the actual like reduction you're putting on the overall carbon footprint of the world. Just because as, as an individual, it's so, so, so little that, uh, you know, like switching to metal straws and things like that is, are really actually accomplishing. Mm -hmm. And and there's all these, there's all these strange paradoxes that a, a paper bag costs more carbon to produce than a, than a plastic bag. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of paradoxes that, that we get wrapped up in when, when the real issue, the most direct threat to our climate is our carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it, it, can, it, it can definitely feel hopeless, but I think there's leadership roles to be filled. Um, and I, I think... I think politicians on both sides need to, need to get ahead of this because it's not getting any better, and it's not. It's really not a partisan thing. This is the this Absolutely. is the future of this is the future of our planet. It's the the costs, the costs to our GDP. <laughs> I, it's it's scary because things things will not get better. Like half of our agriculture will be in areas where we cannot cultivate because mm-hmm. of changing climate conditions. If we don't do anything for sure, it will, 
it's just bad. It's simply bad business to not confront this issue. I think that something uh, interesting with why we tied in pop culture and just the sign, like, you know, the, the social impact that we see in this, I think it's important to recognize that going back to my, my very, very hot take at the beginning, I think that actually has a really big role on the way we've viewed this in the past X number of years, 10, 15, 20 years in that the awareness like Pranav was saying, or just the, the, the uh, intrinsic motivation to say that, yes, I play a small role in this, but once you have that little intrinsic motivation trickle up the stream and get to the people that actually make decisions. And like you're saying, Joe, the people who are in a position where they can change the, the future of the way we handle corporations, the way we handle, uh, you know, spending in the government. I think that that social change and that uh, cultural or, you know, what is it called? Pop like cultural impact is, is bigger than we can, we can imagine. And that's sort of like the return on investment. Yes. It takes carbon to make a movie. Yes. It takes a little bit of like uh, detrimental effect to make, to make that kind of awareness happen. But the and awareness I think is really important. I, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think in general, we've been too optimistic when confronting climate change. Um, every year there, there are more pledges to reduce our carbon footprint every year we fail. I agree. And I think the, the optimistic outlooks on the warming of the planet have all been proved wrong. Mm-hmm. Of course, one in 10 studies, like someone will say, hey, the earth was gonna be four degrees warmer by, uh, just here's an example, like the earth was gonna be two degrees warmer. Someone said it was gonna be two degrees warmer by 2020 and it wasn't. So climate change obviously isn't real. So <laughs> I, uh, that's- Why are we doing this, dude? It's not real. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think that it, like what you were saying, Rich, like it's important to have this conversation and to acknowledge the issue because I think it gives you some power to say, this is not hopeless. Avenues are wide open yeah. yep. for us to drastically reduce our carbon footprint. And we want to avoid a scenario where we have to invest all of our money into carbon capture technologies or coating the world in some chemical gas just to cool it down. We need to avoid, (laughs) we need to avoid these situations and work on things today and simply investing our dollars better. Now. Okay. So now that you got to that point, Let's take the conversation a little bit to who can actually make that difference and how people have been making or not making <clears throat> that difference. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I was going to I was going to talk about this and I, I want to get y'all's thoughts on it, too. But um, do you guys think, uh, you know, these effects to or like these, you know, like you're talking about this active role in mitigating our ca- carbon footprint is possible or likely under capitalist socioeconomic conditions? You know what I mean? Like personally, I think it's, it's much, much more unlikely, but I'll, I'll, I'll I'll speak my thoughts on that in just a second. (laughs) I mean, I, I think you have to, it it can work, but you have to lead by example. Mm -hmm. And so far the U S has lost all, all ability to enforce any kind of climate standards on the rest of the world, especially the most important areas, developing countries where carbon footprint, the most of the carbon emitted, the U.S. is less than 20%. Most of it is happening in in China and in India. Um, 
an amazing statistic from the book is that every year, uh, every three years, China dumps as pours as much concrete as the United States did in the entire 20th century. That's insane. And yes, concrete and steel are 20% of our carbon footprint. So right. when you so consider that, that's scary. scary. So it, China can say, we are going to convert to, uh, to all renewables by 2040, and they can do it. In, in, in America, that's much harder because you don't have a state-run economy and it's not an authoritarian system. But you, you've seen countries like Germany um, and Sweden really, really invest. And you, we have to lead by example, because if, if we don't, we've lost all moral authority to enforce any kind of carbon standards on the rest of the world. For sure, for sure. Um, to be honest, I, I think it's always going to be a little bit more difficult to achieve those results under a capitalist uh, economic climate, just no matter what, just the nature of it is like internally motivated, looking at the um, impact of the individual as opposed to the impact on a community, right? Um, and so as as much as governments can put, you know, like tax benefits and subsidies in place and things like that, issues like climate change and taking it one step further, uh, just collective issues in general, like deforestation and poverty and issues like that will yeah. always be at risk under capitalism just because of the internal motivation factor of it. And that's, that's just my capitalism sucks, rant. Like, you know how it is. But, that's, um, that's true, but the it, government, yeah. You have, you have to consider that. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, socialist and uh, authoritarian countries um, are not are not doing much better. Um, Absolutely, yeah. and and the worst thing we're seeing right now is this rise of of populism and denial. Uh, if if you look at Bolsonaro and mm -hmm. his, uh, I hope I said that right, and his burning of the Amazon for cash cropping. Um, Sorry, I'm getting a FaceTime from Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Mike, bro. Shout out Mike, yeah. Um, but a, a, a populism is another reaction to, to these effects. Um, sure. And I think a authoritarian system could have a much, you know, a much better chance to confront this, but I... I don't if somebody takes like a leading role and if somebody yeah. like dishes it out. But I, I don't see that happening, uh, mm -hmm. especially especially when China looks at the issue of of climate change or even Russia. If Russia looks at the issue of climate change, Russia can benefit. Russia is an oil producing country. Uh, Russia, if it gets warmer, uh, it can yield more agriculture. Um, some countries look at this from a totally different perspective. Um, mm -hmm. And the only thing, the only thing we can do is elect people who are going to make decisions based on the interests of our children and grandchildren and see things in the long-term view. I don't, I think it's even, that's, that's like a, that's a very valid point of seeing things in the futuristic viewpoint. And I think it's also going back to one of you said, uh, leading by example. And I think when we look at our country and the example that we've set, I think so little value and emphasis has been placed on climate change versus monetary, sure. uh, you know, monetary success and things that are just not as 
life or death is climate change. But once again, that's a whole, that's a whole political view, which really shouldn't be, but it is. That's a political yeah. view. And that's a viewpoint that has become very close to the majority in this country and probably other countries as well, where moving a factory from China to here is seen as a monetary and, and governmental and political you know, applause. It's, it's so awesome that they've done it's that. Capitalists just chasing yeah. bread, bro. They've, That's all it is. <laughs> they've brought yeah. millions of jobs back. But then again, it's not like we're doing anything great. We're, we're well, building another factory and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, I think, I think that's a good point. And what's, what's tricky is you see a future or at least I see a future. I, I was grow, growing up. I saw a future no, no, where Joe, things, we, where things were, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where things were, were constantly, getting better uh mm-hmm. where where every year things were improving um and now we're confronted where a reality of the opposite but we still function under a system that's based on constant growth uh mm-hmm. constant expansion of consumption right and yeah. working within those margins is very difficult i think the idea of a carbon tax where where you um where you would penalize someone according to the impact that would have on the future that maybe could have been productive 10 years ago. Um, For sure. But the, our window is running out here. Mm-hmm. For sure. And part of that has to do with the idea of efficiency leading to overuse, right? Like for example, exactly. if your car becomes 30% more gas efficient, then you're about to start driving your car like that much more to make up the difference. You know what I mean? So although our technology is getting more efficient, our active use of it is something that actually has to like, we have to, we have to take an active stance on that before a real change can happen. You know what I'm saying? That's a great point. And it's, it's so, uh, What's the word when you're when you say something you do the do, do the opposite? Hypocritical. Hypocritical. Very <laughs> hypocritical. That's the word. Um, very hypocritical that we've seen that that ha- that happened first time where every studio were faced with another another challenge of hey fix climate change as fix third climate year change. Yeah. Just like, just for <laughs> our just for our viewers um, in our uh, third year right was yep, our third, third year, year yeah third year. Yep. in our third year we were asked to build a um, Fighting Global Warming Center <laughs> for the United Nations in uh, in Austin, Texas, of all mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. And it was a little terrifying because during the reviews, sustainability was not mentioned once. It, it was it was a little I felt like I was like doing a different project. Not, that <laughs> not only that, I think. I think that's obviously one of the most like harrowing things to notice, but then you realize that, okay, I just went through this whole four month studio of designing a hypothetical fighting global warming headquarters. And then you look up your professor's page later and they built up another parking garage somewhere like the fuck. Yeah. And it didn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. Even, even if it had been built. Didn't make a dent. (laughs) Didn't make a dent. Even if it had been built. The ideal, I, I I think about that a lot, actually the ideal project for that prompt would be to not build anything. It, absolutely. <laughs> not for do sure, the for sure. <laughs> absolutely. We don't need we don't need more I mean, we don't need more headquarters and scientists. We understand the problem. What we're no, dealing absolutely. with. Absolutely. What well of course funding science is going to be incredibly important when we're talking about confronting climate change. Um 
but the policies at work is what's being super undervalued yeah. right now. We, we do need to transition into a zero carbon future and that will require a lot of funding of science. But right now we need to stop giving trillions of dollars to uh, fossil fuel companies and subsidies. Sure. Mm-hmm. And we need to take a long-term view. And I don't know if building a, I don't know if building an office building is, <laughs> is the most long-term view when you That's can do quite a, the solution bro. when you can do everything on Zoom like we're doing right now. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. This is this is how people need to get work done on Zoom University. We're setting the standard right here, bro. <laughs> um, I want to go back and 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 uh, lastly touch base on the thing that you were talking about about hopelessness because I think this episode and obviously a lot of other things we see today are very, very depressive and like, you know, just yeah, this was kind down. of a sad boy episode. Bro. Like, <laughs> I, it's, it's such a, I mean, it's and aptly so you don't want to think about too long. Right. But I think uh, most people, yeah, I'll say most people, most people thrive on hopefulness, not hopelessness. And I think we also believe that the right way to go about fixing climate change and, and global warming and all that is through hopefulness. So, what, what kind of positive change can we see right now? And what kind of steps can we take right now to... Well, you know? I, I do think there's a value in scaring the shit out of people. Because <laughs> so far... That's the quote for the episode, bro. Because, I mean, we as, we as people, we especially, people, especially politically, we are reactive rather than proactive. Mm-hmm. For sure. So whatever, whatever you can do to to get the message out there um and advocate for for change whatever you can do do it whatever conversation you can have with your parents uh whatever changes in your life i mean i i still eat chicken i mean i still drive my car i (laughs) i i don't mean to be a hypocrite but we need to we need to advocate for a future we would want to live in yeah, I think I think the and I think the biggest part of it is like siding with people and choosing your representatives that believe in climate change as an issue, right? Yep, big part. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I I I, I want to reiterate that there's nothing wrong. Obviously, like you're gonna have people who are gonna say they're 100% carbon neutral and 100% this and that, and they're gonna make you feel bad or like like Joe, you drive a car? What the heck, man? That's not cool. <laughs> like we still gotta get we still gotta live life and and get life done but obviously we're all making a conscious effort to do certain things and and do our little part i mean what what's difficult to confront is that the carbon we really we're releasing right now is going to stay in the air for a very very long time and mm-hmm. it's going to get worse before it gets better facts and That's a good point i i think i think understanding that is is very important mm-hmm. but also understanding that the worst case scenario is something that we are entirely in charge of avoiding. Yeah. And it's absolutely. something, it's something we can do. We can do it. We can, we do, can it. do it. We can do it. We can do it. Um, and I, I'm not Greta Thun- Thunberg. I'm just someone who read a book. <laughs> like I, but I have immense, I have immense respect for these young people who are really stepping up. 
and well, you are Joseph B. Attenborough, bro. Agreed, this bro. Is, this is what thank we you needed. for doing your part on the podcast, bro. Like you are one of those young people now. You're not big fish now. <laughs> you're big in climate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course, bro. Um, unless there are any like final thoughts, any shout outs, I don't know. Um, <laughs> follow Joe on SoundCloud and Spotify and all that. Like we'll, we'll definitely drop that on the episode. Yeah. Um, I need to get back to that. <laughs> you got to drop a climate change based song, dude. Please, yeah. bro. Um, but yeah, un- unless there are any, any final stuff you want to add, we better wrap it up. Jerry, you want to say anything? He's still, he's still lingering around here from last episode. He's, man, he's mandering, mandering somewhere. He's been mandering in the kitchen all week, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's it. I think I think we we did it, guys. We did it. We, did we it, solved bro. climate change. Earth, you're oh welcome. <laughs> the three Airbenders. Yeah, but I mean, in this in this difficult time, just stay positive. Talk to your friends and uh, take it easy for sure. sure. So Joe, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast and for the school out there. uh, You know how it usually goes. Any guests you want to see, any guests you want to be, any topics you want us to discuss, anything else like that. uh, Shoot us a message. (laughs) Shoot us a message on Twitter, Instagram, anything else like that. Um, Boom. That's about it, man. But Uh, about how? Oddfish over and out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next week.